So thank you for coming out. I know many of you are here to support Ray. You've known him over the years. This, I hope you didn't drive too far because it might be one of the shortest sermons ever. He's only allowed to have two minutes behind this pulpit at any given time. Give them their time in you. Okay, Ray is going to bring us the word of God. First of all, can everybody hear me? I didn't want the tears to come when I'm going through this. There's a lot of my friends here today that I look up to and I don't want to put myself down by the tears. But the tears are nothing more than the safety valve of my heart when it's under pressure. So bear with me. The turnout this morning, some of my friends, I might comment to them once in a while on Facebook, see them somewhere as I'm going around, but some of these people I haven't seen in five years, and to see them here this morning. This passes my expectations. This is my first sermon. So bear with me. I flunked public speaking in school. I stutter. I mumble. A lot of times I'm in here instead of looking at my guests and my friends. One of the things, thank you, Steve. One of the things that uh, I still remember when I was employed, they decided to send me to school. The Dale Carnegie. So I would be able to win friends and influence people. Everybody knows that didn't work. <laughs> I hate to read books, as my pastor knows, but I read the Bible. I read it from beginning to end, and I put it down. And then something else happened in my life. A life and death situation. I wanted to know where I came from, who was my creator, and where I was going. Today, I still don't read the Bible. Everybody's going, oh my. I study the Bible. 
I take each sentence and I pray over it. At times, I even hear the Lord answering me. A lot of you think, oh, that's your conscience between right and wrong. No, that's the Holy Spirit talking to me. I've learned from studying the Bible, all my questions and answers are in there. So, i just let you all know how I feel about that. So now, after getting through that small part, I hope the rest of this is simple. This morning, I'm going to speak about the parables. First of all, what's a parable? It's a brief story that uses words and pictures or vivid descriptions in writing. Parable usually makes analogies or symbolic comparisons using images that are familiar to the listener. And you are my listener this morning, so please listen. They usually are around normal activities of everyday life. And to me, I can really relate to this parable. Not every detail in the parable is meant to have a symbolic meaning, since it applies to get across one main point or concept. Symbolism, which I'll be talking about a little bit later also, is the idea that things represent other things. In everyday life, We look and we see these things. The examples I'm talking about is black, is a word, it's a color. And what's it do? It represents death or evil. Or white stands for life and purity. What I'm trying to relay that we can look at something, let's say the color red and conclude that it represents not the color itself, but something beyond it. Does anybody in the congregation have an idea what I'm talking about? What does red represent besides just the color? Red. Love. Devotion. And another thing, the love I have with my guests and my congregational friends that are here with me today. The other thing I look at is, and we all know this, we have Valentine's Day. That's red. It's not on the church calendar, but a lot of love is spread around. The word parable in Greek means to set something similar aside for comparison. The book of Mark emphasizes on the fact that Jesus' teachings 
puzzled more than the fact it was a particular literary form. For a long time, parables that Jesus told us were really confusing to me. Plus, I never really understood why he spoke in parables. But over time, and in the process of digging into the Word of God more and more, I've come to better understand more of his parables. It seems like a broken record repeating itself. But listen, read and discuss with believers the good book for understanding. Jesus often taught in parables which were not always understood by everyone who heard them. Jesus' parables were meant to reveal truth about God's kingdom to those hearts that were prepared to hear it. At the same time, the truth of these parables was hidden from the hearts of the people that were hardened and resisted to God. In Scripture of Mark, Jesus, however, also used them as people as a venting process. We have to remember, Jesus was being persecuted when he started speaking about these parables. He clashed with the establishment of the leadership in Jerusalem. Those who refused to listen all showed the rejection of Jesus. Those who listen and then leave with only a surface understanding also had issues. But those who listened and stayed to ask Jesus the deeper meaning, softened hearts and ready to hear Jesus' spiritual message. Although parables clarified Jesus' teachings, they also included hidden meanings, challenges sincerely interested to further inquiry, and taught truths that Jesus wanted to conceal from unbelievers. From the parables, Jesus' enemies could not find a direct statement to use against him. There were so many people out there that rejected him, not only rejected him, they wanted to kill him. The parable I'm referencing this morning is out of the good book, Mark chapter 4, the parable of the sower. This parable is also echoed in Matthew and Luke, which is the synoptic gospels. Does anybody know what the synoptic gospels are? I didn't know until I started really digging into this. What it is, it represents the same common view. We're looking at Matthew and Luke were giving us the same story, a different view, a different way, but he was showing us the same thing. It represents taking a common view, presenting that narrative of Christ's life 
the ministry from a point of view held in the common by all three. And with this, close similarities in content and order. Jesus had a multitude of people by the seaside. That many, he entered a boat and taught them offshore in the boat. Jesus was teaching spiritual truths through stories. I can relate to this soaking in of messages every Sunday from my pastor hub. In the book of Mark, chapter 4, Jesus taught them many things by parables, and in teachings he said, listen, this is the first word of this parable, and the last, but it's communicated as, who has ears, let them hear. I will discuss this a little further into the sermon. The farmer went out to sow his seed. The congregation along the shore could relate to what Jesus was about to say. Because at that time, farmers planted seed by hand broadcasting them over the ground. I don't know how many of you people might do this, but I can relate to this. During the winter time, my yard is always looking for grass. I need to plant grass, so I usually broadcast it across the yard, hoping that the winter freeze puts cracks in the ground and the seed is actually brought in and sprouts and gives life. I only have one problem. It's Marie and her birds and her squirrels. That really uh, takes a toll on my ideas. But the other one, for my special guests that are here today, I broadcast something else, something I never told any of you about. But just remember this. I know we're all getting up in age, but we're getting wiser also. I learned this from my cousin. It's one of the secrets that I probably never thought I'd give up. I broadcast winter wheat during the archery season. I put it in places along the edges of roads in the muddy brims at turnarounds and places where the sun can soak down in. This is something that I've learned, and it has been the demise of many a turkey because it just brings them into that area. So instead of me looking for them all over the place, I have a good idea where to go in the spring. So remember that. It works. Does anyone here today 
in the congregation know who the farmer is. I have been referring to in this scripture. Who is the farmer? Come on, somebody has to know besides Hub. Yes, it is. But the farmer in this parable, Matthew 13, 37, he answered, the one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. It's Jesus. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it. In those days, in Eastern practices, the seed was sometimes sown first, and then the field plowed afterwards. Roads and pathways went directly over many of the fields. That wouldn't work today. And the traffic made much of the surface too hard for the seed to take root. As a little boy, I still remember my grandfather had a farm, and he had his winter wheat planted. And not knowing any better, I walked through it. And two weeks later, you could see my footsteps the whole way through that field. It wasn't a pleasant experience, believe me. <laughs> Some of the seed fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns and weeds, which grew up and choked the plants, and they did not bear grain. This reminds me of another sower in the Bible that was sowing weeds in good fields, but that's for another time and another story. Still other seeds fell on good soil. It came up and grew and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, 60, some 100 times. Whoever has ears, let them hear, is the end of that parable. Why did Jesus speak in parables? To gain knowledge of this, I'm going to bring up Deborah Robinson to read the scripture. Everybody, please stand. Matthew 13, 10, 23. Please listen. Then his disciples drew near to him and said, why do you speak to them in parables? He answered, saying to them, Because to you it is granted to know the mystery of the kingdom of heaven, 
but it is not granted to them. For to him who has shall be given, and it shall increase to him. But to him who has not, even that which he has shall be taken away from him. This is the reason I speak to them in figures, because they see and yet cannot perceive, and they hear and yet do not listen, nor do they understand. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, who said, Hearing you will hear, but you will not understand, and seeing you will see, but you will not know. For the heart of this people has become hardened, and they hear with difficulty, and their eyes are dull, so that they cannot see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts. Let them return, and I will heal them. But as for you, blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, a great many prophets and righteous men have longed to see what you see, and did not see it, and to hear what you hear, and did not hear it. Now listen to the parable of the seed. Whoever hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away the word which has been sown in his heart. This is that which was sown on the roadside. That which was sown upon the rock, this is he who hears the word and immediately accepts it with joy but it has no root in him except for a while. And when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he immediately stumbles. That which was sown among thistles, this is he who hears the word, but worldly thoughts and the deception caused by riches choke the word and it becomes fruitless. That which was sown upon good soil, this is he who hears my word and understands it. So he bears fruit and produce, produces some 100-fold, and some 60, and some 30. Deborah, I love you. Thank you. Thank you, Ray. I love you, too. Deborah is one of our best speakers we have. It's like a lot of times I get tongue-tied, or I can't even pronounce that word. Well, this is a person I rely on. Jesus seldom interpreted his parables, but here he does. You just heard the reading. If you still have a problem understanding this scripture that was just read out of the good book, see me or hub. We'll help you comprehend what Jesus is describing. What is Jesus stating? He starts the parable with, listen, and ends with, whoever has ears, let them hear. I know at our age, some of us have problems hearing. And a lot of us have hearing aids. It's not we don't have ears. It's that we don't use them. Jesus urges us to listen like sheep. The sheep recognize his voice. They are attended, your eyes and ears are attended to remain open. I hope you're hearing me now. 
when God sows seed your way, what is the result? What type of soil are you? Romans 10, 17. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. Remember, faith comes from hearing. The human heart is like a receptive soil to the seed of the word of God. Using this method of broadcasting the seed meant that some seed fell on unproductive ground. The first three soils that I was talking about represent not knowing God. Jesus uses this parable to describe how the message will be received in the world, especially as we know it today. Four truths can be learned from this parable. Life transformations and spiritual growth depends on one how one responds to God's word, not just at the beginning, but the long haul. The long haul. I talked to one of my friends this morning, and he says, wow, it was just yesterday that we were out on the river hunting geese. A bond of friendship started there. There will be mixed reactions to the gospel by the people of the world. Some who hear will not understand. I pray there's nobody here that won't understand this. Others will believe the message, receive Christ's forgiveness with excitement, and actually begin a personal relationship with God. But for one reason or another, they do not grow in that relationship. When faced with difficulties of life, they give up. Their loyalty to God, and finally, they turn away from him. Others, like the seed sown on the rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seeds sown among the thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceit, the fullness of wealth, and the desire for other things come and choke out the word, making it unfruitful. One thing I want you to remember, I don't know about you, but when I actually found the Lord, he took some things away from me. The biggest one was worry. 
I have a friend that taught me. We don't have to do this anymore. Things change in our lives. And that's where I'm at. I'm looking forward to the life after. Like I said, the worry in my life is gone. But the most thing I worried about this morning is when I put on this microphone, I was told make sure you shave because if you don't, you're liable to scratch and make a noise. That's how much worry I have. Matthew 6, 33 to 34. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And in all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Philippians 4, 6 to 8. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all our understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything, it's excellent or praiseworthy. Think about such things. Getting back on the seed. Still others will accept Christ, commit their lives to him, grow in the relationship with God for a period of time. Christ's purposes to various degrees come out. But at some point, their attention turns away to God, to concerns or pleasures of life. They give up. Their heart is not with God. In order to follow after worldly things. The world, as we know it, has many things out there that I'm learning it's something I need to stay away from and stray away from. Why is this? Mark 4, 15. Some people are like the seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. That's why it's so important to go to church, get involved in church functions, need to pray together, study groups and church activities. When I came to this church, I really had issues because I thought I'd lost my friends. And I found these new friends that really 
helped me thrill and brought me back to where I need to be. We talk about church activities. A lot of my friends, even here today, are involved. I mean, that's, that's terrible if I have to go out and play golf or we have to go out and eat. A lot of times, we don't talk about God. It's out there to be together as friends, to understand each other, to listen to each other's issues and problems and how we can help each other. It's part of love. So what have we learned from this message? Not everyone who hears the Christian gospel will understand and believe. Four scenarios play out for the seed by the farmer. The first, the seed are sown along paths that represent those who hear and don't understand. The next seeds fall in the rocky soil. They grow for a short time, but their belief has no roots. So they believe dies and it withers. The third seed falls among the weeds. These seeds are those who believe, but the trials of life chokes out any good works or accomplishments. The last seed falls in good soil, and these are those who believe and go on to spread the gospel to others, producing the harvest. John 15, 1, 10. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You're already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I see a lot of my fruits out there this morning. I'm so glad I have them. Remain in him. Be that good soil. The fruit will follow. Even the most brilliant sunrise, viewed on the mountaintop, the loveliest flower on the forest floor, the cuddliest newborn baby, do not compare to the beauty of a person who gives his life to Christ and to hear and bear the fruits. The greatest sight to see is one who was once chained to sin, but now has been freed to live in Christ. I know how far from perfect I am and how inferior to God the ways have been my way of loving. Last week, we talked about sin how hard it was, how hard it is. But we can rejoice because Jesus is stronger. Boy, the tears are getting in the way here.
Oh, most of my old friends and how they became my friends is really blows me away because I had a hard exterior. Believe me. It used to be, how big a boy are you? Now, this brother, I love you. I look across the congregation, my newfound friends over the last couple years, building a relationship with Christ and my invited guest. Thank you for your self-giving, your love and support by coming out this morning. I have a couple of illustrations, what I call symbolism. What I'm talking is about love. This staff was given to me in love. It reminds me of that passage in the Bible. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. My rod and my staff, they comfort me. What a gift. Spiritually, mentally and physically also because I do have issues when it comes to walking through the woods. A lot of you people have no idea what this is. But the person that made it knows what it is. It's love to me, the symbol of when I'm out hunting. It really helped me a lot. I have some other things in here. One of them is a business card from a body shop. The other year, I had a problem with a dog that loved me that much and he jumped up in the car and scratched the daylights out of it. I had a friend that I told us about and he introduced me to his brother. And his brother took that truck and he repaired it, made it like new. That is love. That is love. Outside, as you walk in, on the left-hand side, there's a wooden cross. That wooden cross is something I always wanted for this church. I take care of the garden that's next to it. That cross means a lot to me. It's from a friend that has passed that took his time and his love. And I'll be talking about him in a couple of seconds. But we brought that thing down from 
Lewistown, 12 foot on a trailer, reconstructed it. And I have friends here today that help put that thing into the ground. That's love. That's where I talk about symbolism, it's another thing. Thank you for your self-giving of love and support by coming out today. It reveals to me that I'm making that change in my composition of soil to show the word of God to other people. In ending, this is the application of my message. Remember what I discussed today. Ask yourself, what soil, what soil are you? And remember the heart of our calling to love one another as we are dearly loved by the one who created us and who inspires us on our way. I pray that you are that rich, fertile soil and have discovered that narrow path to the gate of heaven. If not, change your composition before it's too late. I lost my best friend, my closest friend, which would have been devastating to me if I would have known he didn't make that commitment to Jesus and to me. That's how I feel about my friends today. I'm concerned about all of you. We need to reveal to others, to those that will listen, eternal life is there just for the asking. A lot of you today are wondering, what's a flower thing for? The flower thing is because, number one, I love flowers. Number two, I'm trying to show a little bit, a minuscule part of my love, which is getting stronger and stronger. What a desert place would be a world without flowers. It would be a face without a smile, a church without a welcome. What a pity flowers cannot utter a sound. A singing rose, a whispering violet, a murmuring honeysuckle. What a rare and exquisite miracle this would be. To me, flowers are the sweetest thing that God forgot to put a soul into. Are not the flowers the stars of the earth, the portals of the night, or the bright gems in the sky, which we see what Eden was and what paradise might be in heaven? Thank you. Now I want to bring up a close friend of mine that actually put that seed in me many years ago.
Art, will you please come forward to give the final prayer, or would everybody please stand? Oh, one more thing. I was asked today, where's my flower at? This is for my person that I spend my life with now. My first love is Jesus. My second love is my wife. And my third love is all of you that are here today. Thank you. Just bow your heads, please, as we go to the throne of grace. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you so much for Ray and for the word that you have spoken through him today. You know, the questions of what soil am I? I thought about that while I was sitting in there, and it really challenged my heart, and I know it challenged each and every person's heart here today, Lord. The seed that he had, that your son, Jesus Christ, had planted in each one of our lives, Father. Lord, that it would continue to grow and that we would share that love that you have put in us. And Father, that we would touch the lives of others so that they can experience the joy of your salvation, Father. And I love the part where he was talking about think on things that are lovely, things that are pure, things are things that... that that you have spoken about, Lord, and not to worry about the things that we face in life, Lord, because without you, Lord, nothing else makes sense. So, Father, I just pray, my prayer today is that as we live our lives and as we go out through these doors today, Lord, and as we go through our day and as we go through our week, that we will remember your word and that your seed that you have put out for us to follow and to show that love to others because there are so many hurting people out there Lord and that don't know you and Father you have made us your hands, you have made us your voice to be that voice in this earth Father. So Father we humbly want to just be humble before you and walk before you and just receive your word and just be that light in a dark place. We thank you for all that you do for us because you are a mighty God and you are worthy to be praised. And Father, just continue to use us for your glory, Father, until you come again. We just thank you for all the visitors who have came today and for this church family, Lord, because we do need each other, Lord. You know, the body... We need each other. The hand cannot say to the foot that I don't need you. Or the arm can't say to the eye that I don't need you. We need each other, Lord, a complete whole body. So, Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for being that sower that sowed into our lives and help us to be the same sower that you were to sow into others' lives, Father, as we get ready to worship you, Lord, and praise you. And we thank you for everything that took place today because we know that it was anointed by the Holy Spirit. We can just give you the praise and the glory and honor. 